Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your Cali United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. On today's episode, we look back on two contrasting fixtures by reviewing the 2-1 win over Salford and the 2-1 defeat at Crawley, while looking ahead to this weekend's clash against struggling Scunthorpe United side. Like Lazarus, my laptop has risen from the dead. <laughs> God knows how, but uh, the lovely fella on Smith Down Road in Liverpool managed to fix it. And so, yeah, we're, we're back, Mike, aren't we, after a week off? Uh, really yeah. do apologise to everyone for that. It was, it genuinely was totally unavoidable. It literally died on me the night before we were supposed to record, and there was nothing I could have done to fix it, so... There you go. And because I'm the one who puts it together, basically, it's all recorded on my uh, computer. It just wasn't going to be possible to find any other way of recording. So a bit unlucky with that, really, weren't we? But uh, but yeah, Mike, we've got two very contrasting games to talk about today, haven't we? It's going to be an, an interesting one to Yeah, to chalk and cheese, weren't they? Chalk and cheese, yes, indeed they were. Um, well, let's get straight into it, Mike. First up, news-wise, not really much to talk about news-wise. I haven't really had much chance to go back through and look through the news. But the main thing, I suppose, is the uh, the reserves played this week, didn't they? Um, yeah. So they played against Fleetwood Town in the uh, Central Cup, however it's called. Central League Cup, I think. Central League Cup, that's the one. Um, and they, they won 2-1, didn't they? So um, yeah. interesting sort of mix of a few sort of second-year YTSs and, you know, the, the few first-year pros and second-year pros and things like that in the squad. But uh, a decent result, all the same. Um, goals from... Uh, I can't even remember who scored now. That's how, <laughs> that I think Man, right. Man Parler got one, didn't he? Yes, and, Man Parler uh, definitely got one. Um, was it Brad Young got the other, I think, as well, actually, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Young, yeah, it was, yeah. Indeed, yeah. So Young and Man Parler got the goals. Uh, Tory hit the bar as well. Um, I, did, I watched a few of the highlights with, um, before, actually. Um looked like Tory had a quite a decent game. He looked very lively again, and you, you just wonder... Oh, is it time to just get him back in the squad and give him a little run out? But it's one of those, I wonder if his time is finished, to be honest, the way. Yeah, I mean, going. it's not like any of our other sort of wide forwards are particularly staking the claim, are they? Do you know what I mean? So, no, yeah, I, I'd certainly give him a run. But if his face just maybe doesn't fit with Beach, it might just be one of those things. Yep. Okay, well, let's get into the match reviews then, Mike. So we've got two games to cover here. We've got Cal United 2, Salford City 1, and Crawley Town 2. Uh, Cal United won two very contrasting results and performances by United since we last recorded. A decent 2-1 win over big spending Salford City was very much a game of two halves, but the 2-1 defeat at Crawley Town sounds like they barely turned up in either half, doesn't it, really, mm. from what we've uh, we've heard. Um, those results leave United firmly mid-table in 12th place with nine points from seven games so far. It's early days, but there's definitely going to need to be some improvement, isn't there, if we're going to challenge for the top seven spot? Yeah, I mean, I think both of them games, by the sounds of things, first half, not so good, second half, maybe slightly better. And it's a case of, it's the same things that are going wrong in the first halves, and it's like, just sort them things out from the start. Don't, you know, wait until the 60th minute before you realise it's not working. It's the same mistakes as well in terms of team selection and tactics and mm-hmm. things like that, isn't it? As well, that's that's where we're, we're finding a lot of issues. Um, let's start talking about the games then, Mike. Let's get, first start off with the Salford City game. So, 
after just one game, the sorry, I'll call it a five three two experiment because I know you don't like it being called three five two, do you? Um, was over as the Blues went back to four three three. Um, but did it work first half despite leading for much of the f- opening forty five? Obviously, I was at the game; you weren't there. Um, mm. No, I don't think it did really. Um, it, it felt like we were trying to shoehorn Clough into the team. I mean, to be honest, it was probably more. It was a weird one because at times it looked like a four four two. At times it looked like four three three, because Riley was playing quite wide for a central midfielder at times, and Dickinson obviously plays wide, but he wasn't dropping back to be sort of a left sided midfielder that much. So it was almost like the team didn't really know what formation they were playing. Mm. I, I wouldn't have been against playing four four two with Riley playing wide right and Dickinson on the left and mm. Clough and um, Abraham's down the middle, but it just looked a bit mishmash really like we didn't know what we were doing mm. yeah I mean it's interesting you mentioned about sort of Clough been shoehorned in because like people have said you know remember the whole Jamie Devitt saga of uh, a couple of summers ago will he come back won't he come back and yeah. Beach was kind of I don't fit a number 10 into my system so he's not going to come back but Clough is a number 10 and yeah. you know it's like I mean he's very specifically seems to be one role he's very good at because I mean, if you look at it, I don't think he's really big enough to be playing as a central striker on his own. Not not in this league, no. I think he could be okay as a winger, but I think he maybe won't see the best out of him. The, the Bolton there. fans I know say you just, just don't put him on the wing. Just So you're playing yeah. him really as a second striker. Or maybe you're dropping him back into midfield almost and giving him a little bit more freedom than other players. But then what do you do with John Mellish? That's, that's the question, is it? It's, that, that's where it becomes a bit of a challenge and you... It's more and more, we'll touch on Clough again in a minute, but it's more and more looking like we signed a player. We don't have any idea what to actually do with him. We signed him because mm. he was available, basically, and he was interested in coming. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's interesting you say with Mellish. I mean, Mellish, for me, like, physically, Mellish is too good for this league. You know, he's probably championship Premier League with with his, like, running stats and all the rest of it. Um, technically, maybe he... You know, he's at the right isn't, level probably at the moment. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, whereas Clough, I think technically, is maybe sort of championship level, mm. but physically, not so much. Um, so we, we kind of have such a, a variety with the players that... And, and, and you know, there, there'll be some games where a Mellish would do better than a Clough and there'll be other games where a Clough would do better than a Mellish. But yeah. it, and, you know, there might even be games where you can fit them both in there, but... You know, I've got this feeling that Clough's not going to start every game for us this season. Even though he's probably our best player, you'd argue, mm. you might find he'll have little spells where he's out of the team, possibly, and then he comes back in. Yeah. Whereas Mellish, you could imagine him almost playing every week because of mm. his running sass, like you're saying, his physicality. Mm. I, it's just, like I said, I just think we're wasting Clough's talents at the moment. If we sign a player that good, and the problem is obviously his injury record, that's where you get concerned, but he's the kind of player you sign you think right we've got to almost build a team around him yeah and then you maybe need your backup where you don't use him basically essentially that would be a backup formation but it's tough well we said the other week didn't we you need to be playing with the players we've got we need to play the ball on the deck playing long ball with players like Clough in the team where you're ultimately lumping it over his head Mm. you know uh, to Abrams who isn't going to win the battle it's it's just it's not going to work, you know. And just just play play football, and, it's, and, and it's you'll weird, see the best out of them. Almost, if we're going to play a long ball, it's almost like 
John Mellish's evolution is to reach his natural end point and play as a striker. <laughs> well, yeah. Because he wins a lot in the air and he's physical and he would be a nuisance for two centre-backs. He, he would be, yeah. It, 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 it's, a, it's a tough one to judge because he, he, I think he's doing fairly well in midfield and we'll touch on yeah. how well he played in this game in a minute. But we're probably lucky that we went in 1-1 at the break in this game, which sounds mm. ridiculous because Salford only scored on the 44th minute and we mm. took the lead in the 8th minute. But for most of the half, they battered us. They mm. were the better side, and mm. it's the, the goal from Dickinson. I've got to say, brilliant finish, done really mm. well to, to just control it, hit it into the ground, yeah. and clip the post, and didn't give the keeper a chance. Really good bit of play. And I'm glad to see him score as well because I think he's actually played quite well mm. in the opening games and not really got the reward because we're not really again playing to his strengths by getting someone mm. in the middle to actually mm. win the ball potentially. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the equaliser again, just frustrating because I mean, Salford. They're like a contrast to us in that we're very direct and go along a lot and probably could do getting it down a bit more. Salford could probably do with being a bit more direct and a bit more yeah. just have a shot because Ian Henderson, the yeah. amount of times Ian Henderson got into positions, he could have had a hat-trick first half, but he, I don't mm. think he had a shot because mm. he kept passing the ball. And I'm thinking, mm. just have a go at goal. You'd be mm. free one up if you actually mm. had an actual go here. Mm. Um, the equaliser, I mean, you've seen obviously on telly, we saw it live from the paddock side, so a different view. Magnus Norman's got to do better with that, surely, hasn't he? Yeah. It's not struck very strongly. And I have to say, I tweeted Radio Cumbria about this at half-time, but he really wasn't filling me with confidence first half. Despite the fact that he made one brilliant save to tip the ball yeah. over, back two really good saves. The, first, the second of those saves, the one where he made a point blank and tipped it over the bar, he should be coming for that cross. And I spoke yeah. to someone afterwards and said, well, there was a couple of plays in front of him. Maybe that was, you know, what worried him and that's why he wasn't too sure or anything. But when you watch it back, the player almost heads it at chest height. Mm. The ball's not above their head when they head it. He could have come a bit closer and actually caught it. Mm. He's just not very decisive at the moment. And we'll, we'll get onto the Crawley came in a while. But again, I spoke with someone after that and they said, he maybe could have done a bit. I know it's a brilliant strike in one sense, the winning goal. But again, it's it's not struck like a rocket and you do wonder, could he maybe have got a hand to that possibly? It's maybe been a bit harsh then, but this is the standards we're, we're looking at, isn't it really? So Yeah, I mean, you know, considering that Norman's, what, 24? Yeah. He's not he's not actually very experienced, is he? No, he's he, not. You know, You know, he, he had like a couple of loan spells here and there, but he, he really hasn't played much football and I think some of them things that you sort of mentioned there kind of come down to lack of experience. Um, and and as, as well, you look at the keepers below him, you've got Jensen, who's, what, 21, is he? Mm. And then you've got two 18-year-olds. I mean, Jensen, maybe, because he's come from a Premier League club, you expect him to push a bit, but mm. you almost wonder if you could do an experienced head behind him just to push him on and give him a bit of advice. Someone towards the end of the career would have been a better choice than getting... Kieran Westwood's on free. What? <laughs> I think his wage is a little bit out of our <laughs> price range somehow. Mm. Um but yeah, it, at the moment, he's, if I'm a defender playing in front of him, I'm not really filled with confidence that he's... No, that's the thing. The thing with Norman is, sorry, Norman, with Farman, yes, he could have his moments where you think, oh my God, what's he doing? But he was decisive. Yeah. He, he didn't... There was only a couple of occasions where he, he, he changed his mind and was indecisive last season. He'll come and he'll punch the ball. Yeah, he doesn't catch it that often, but you know he's going to get a good contact most of the time and get the ball mm. out. I just don't feel that with Norman right now. and It's, it's worrying me and... Like I said, I wonder, having a very inexperienced coach as well in Dan Hanford, who's only mm. what, 
maybe five or six years older than him. Mm. That's another thing that maybe you think there's a risk there. And I, I, we want him to do well, but at the moment we're conceding a lot more goals than we did last season at this point. So it's yeah, it's tough, uh, isn't it? I mean, another thing when we signed him, we noticed like he's got a really good throw on him, yeah, hasn't he? And we haven't utilized that either. I think you know we need like a sort of pacey winger who. Mm. You know, he can catch the ball and he can just like chuck it out wide to a winger and we can hit teams on the break, but we don't have that either, you know, so... Yeah, 100%. And to be fair, that's not so much Norman's fault as well. No, he, He's getting not. told. And this yeah. has been noticed by Radio Cymru, by Lummy and by James and by fans as well. Mm. Beaches keep telling him to kick it along all the time. Mm. And sometimes you think, just get... We've got players who are capable of, mm. of passing the ball. You don't have to kick it along every single mm. time. Throw mm. it out and start from the back. It's, mm. it's not difficult, is it? It's no, exactly. It's frustrating, and and, and it, it pains me to sort of talk about this again because we talked about this the last time we spoke. Yeah. But like a lot of these long balls are going to Abrams, and he's not yeah. winning them. No. But then he's getting taken off at sixty minutes, and then we start to play football, and it's like. Yeah. If you play football when Abrams is on the pitch, you might see a better play from him. That's, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. I kind of feel from him because he's. People are starting to know he's actually not the quickest player. He's fairly quick over the first few yards, but he's not got blistering pace Abrahams to get him away mm. from from a defender. And like I said, he doesn't win much in the air. He's not he's not the biggest lad. He's only about six foot one, isn't he? He's not like mm. six foot three, six foot four. And we're really not playing to those strengths. You're absolutely right. And that that's that's really showing at the moment. Um, second half in this game, we look so much better. I mean, the first change made a difference, and again, it's, it's taking Clough off, and it's. It's not necessarily his fault, but him coming off made a difference. And mm. Jordan Gibson came off his uh, debut and he didn't, he put a few decent crosses in. He didn't make that much of an impact, but it was the change of shape and the change of the way we played that mm. made the impact. That's when we started to look again like, all right, we're, we're starting to look like the team that we saw last season. I mean, in this game, we only had, what was it, 36% possession or something like that? Yeah. Next to nothing. It was like, like the games last season. We didn't have that much of the ball, but that didn't worry us because when we did have it, we used it well. Mm. And he scored a brilliant goal. Well, not brilliant goal. It's a tap in his really, but good poacher's goal. But the performance of John Mellish second half in this game, he also weren't there, but he was outstanding. The amount mm. of ground he was covering, he was the one pushing us forward all the time. He was the ball one bringing the ball out. He was the one harassing players. It was a real, like, almost like a leader's performance for Mellish. See, he said- He's still only 23, isn't he? Mm. I said last season, I honestly would not begrudge seeing him wear the captain's armband at some mm. point. And I think as well, it might even just give him that little bit more maturity. Because yeah. some players, they get the armband and they kind of step up to the plate. Um, and it might just sort of iron out some of them silly little things that he does a little bit. Yeah, but he had a, he had a brilliant second half. And I, I'd almost say he's the one who basically dragged us into putting yeah. into a good performance. And that's that's a real sign of a bit of maturity from him as well. And you know, he wasn't getting involved in any silly niggly tackles like he has done in a few games recently. Um, I should note on that as well. Two absolutely daft yellow cards in the first half from Abrahamson Clough, and we're getting a few of those this season. Mm. It's frustrating me a bit. I'm worried it's gonna what there's gonna be one game where we're gonna get a stupid red card because someone's gone and got themselves a daft yellow early on in the game. Yeah, yeah. It's re- re- bit, getting a bit frustrating that, and mm. it's one of the things maybe we need to iron out a bit. Um, in terms of the new boys, you obviously mentioned Gibson already. He slotted in pretty well, but I've got to say, Kelvin Meller, if it yeah. wasn't for Mellish, he would have been man of the match comfortably. He was excellent. He slotted in really well. He offers, he offers a bit going forward, but defensively, he's so sound. Yeah. And actually, one thing he actually did offer was an aerial threat on set pieces. He, yeah, he did, I, I'm not sure. I've given him assist for 
um, Dickinson's goal, but I think it probably came off a defender, but he's put the pressure on that play and he's been yeah. a real nuisance in the box and he nearly scored an over kick as well with a ridiculous <laughs> effort. But no, he looks like we've got no concerns there. He's slotted in and we don't have to worry about right back this season as long as he keeps himself fit. So yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the Salford game reviewed. Um, good three points. Can't really argue that. I think Salford, we, we've all predicted them to go up this season, I think. And yeah. I, I think they're not going to find it easy. You know, I think a top seven place might be the best they can hope for the way it's yeah. gone. Definitely. I mean, how Carlisle United is it that we beat the bookies' favourite for the title, and then Crawley Town, you know, <laughs> we lose. Well, that brings it on nicely, doesn't it? Mike? Yeah. So none of us went to this game, but <laughs> all the reports we've had from people we know were at the game were that it wasn't good. Not not just in terms of the result, but the performance and the style of play was. I mean, we, we all saw the comments that John Coleman got sent in and that were on Radio Cumbria. I was actually at Prescott Cables uh, the weekend. I went to go watch them with my mate Johnny uh, playing against Ramsbottom United. Um, re- uh, Prescott uh, at the bottom of their league, but the, the, the opening goal they scored was a 25 yards in the top corner. Unbelievable strike. And then the same play in the 89th minute got the winner where he basically scuffed it and then kicked it into the ground and it went over the keeper from a few yards out. It was... A Joe Riley special. Yeah, to, to, total total contrast of goals, basically. An absolute screamer and then a basically scuff, scruffy goal from about five yards out. Um, but anyway, we're not talking about Prescott Cables. We're talking about United, aren't we? So, dreadful first half. Lucky that Crawley were also as poor of, as us because it probably would have been more than 1-0, wouldn't it, I think? Mm. Yeah. It's... The thing that stands out from the criticism after the game is everyone's saying the same thing, aren't they, Mike? This direct style of play isn't working and it's not good to watch. This is this is the real gamble. It's not, the risk that Beach is taking with persisting with this style of play is that if it works, brilliant, it's entertaining, you create loads of chances and people love that. If it doesn't work, it's god-awful to watch. At mm. least if you're trying to maybe play a passing sound, you lose a game 2-1 or you know, 3-1 or 1-0 or something, people can appreciate it say, I can see what you're trying to do there. There's yeah. just a few missing pieces there. But if you're just lumping it along and it's coming back and you're not keeping the ball and you're not creating chances, mm. really, that's when people start to say, mm, this isn't good. This this is not enjoyable. And that's when your crowds start to drop as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was listening to this one on the uh, radio uh, and obviously Jabbo was co-commentator. And it, yeah. I, I find it quite good when Radio Cymru get commentators in like Jabbo and like Carl Hawley and all the rest of them because they don't watch us every week and so their like viewpoint on things is kind of a, a fresh set of eyes and you know Abira he, he was just saying a lot of the things that we've been saying just like keep keep it on the deck if you yeah. you know a, a lot of the changes that we made we, we should we should have started like that yeah Beach has been very sort of conservative with his front three this season we've got to get on to this point mm. for most of the games the front three he picked for this game, he changed back to. He's picked for most league games this season. I think, that, in fact, only two of the games, isn't it? I think Salford and Hartlepool. He hasn't picked this front mm. three. Alessandra Abrahams and Dickinson, all good individual plays, but they just do not work as a front three. And that's becoming blatantly obvious. And I don't get why he went back to it in this game. I really don't. Yeah, no, me neither. I mean, the first half of last season, um, most games we'd have either Torre on the left or Patrick, one or the other. And, you know, whichever one it was, they'd have the pace and the ability to sort of stretch defences. Yeah, and, and a bit of trickery and, as well. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, you know, like you say, all three of them are good players, but 
we need someone in there just to sort of stretch them and make them a little bit apprehensive of having a higher line, you know. And yeah, we, we just haven't ha- had that. They're all good technical footballers. I mean, Dickinson's the only one who's likely to take on a man, but he wants to get the ball in early and get crosses in, doesn't he? And mm. you've got no one in the box then, basically. Mm. That's, that's that's half the problem we've got at the mm. moment. It's, it, it's I, I don't know. I mean, Alessandro's been quite frustrating this season as well. He's not looked as good a player as he did last season. He's His biggest problem is he's not releasing the ball quickly enough. Mm. And not actually take... I, we know he's a sort of second striker and he's more likely to pass the, than he is to shoot. But there's been a few occasions where you think, get a quick ball into the box or get a shot off quickly. And he holds on to it for ages. And yeah. by that point, the defence are back. And it's frustrating because we on this show, we are all big fans of Alessandro. We think yeah, he's definitely. a really good player. We, we said it last season, but it's just not working this season. I think he's the kind of player at the moment you need on the bench because he's useful when he comes on. When he came on against Salford, he did make a difference. He held on to the ball well and he mm. gave it a good outlet in that sense. Mm. But starting games, it's just not working at the moment. And I think of no. those three, I mean, Abraham's has done okay. We're not really playing to his strengths. But of those three, the only one I'd probably stick with at the moment would be Dickinson, I mm. think, to be honest. We'll talk in the match preview section about what we might do for the Scunthorpe game this weekend rather than saying that now. But but yeah, I mean, the surefire sign that Beach got things wrong was that he made all three subs at once, didn't he? Yeah. So that 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 tells you all you really need to know. But at the same time, he wasn't doing that last season. So no, progress. No, it's progress <laughs> in a sense. But then I don't really want all three made at once. You, you maybe no. made two at once. Yeah. If you're making three, that's that that is a really a sign that things have gone wrong. And yeah. yeah, one of them was maybe forced upon him by the Jack Armour booking, which he, by all accounts, was lucky not to get sent yeah. off for. Um, although afterwards he was insisting it wasn't. Although. <laughs> Pretty much everybody else was saying, yeah, he was lucky. Well, well his comments were like, uh, oh, it wasn't above knee, how, knee height. Yeah, his studs were raised, but it's like, what? Well, like, if his studs are raised, then it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a booking at the very least and probably yeah. a red card. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I know he's got to defend plays and he's a young player and he's going to do that, but mm. sometimes you're just going to say, look, he, he probably was lucky. It's a learning curve for him. Mm. And, I mean, we'll touch, in fact, let's touch on him now because I've, I've got him one of the notes here. He's a player who's got a lot of talent and armour, and again, we're big fans on this show, mm. but he's finding it a bit tough this season, isn't he, as the first choice, whereas last season, I think we always knew that option for Anderson to come in if he was struggling a bit or you know, mm. got injured or anything, but his first choice, and we haven't really got an obvious backup for him beyond yeah. Dickinson dropping back there, which Beach seems very reluctant to do, or Joe Riley going there, or even Miller as he did against um, Crawley. Or Dunzey, even. Possibly, but I think mm. the chances of that happening are probably limited. Mm. Um, you do wonder, is he missing a bit of Anderton's sort of guidance and leadership? You know, maybe guiding him a little bit. It, he's, he's, I'm not saying he's been awful, but he's been caught out a few times with the ball inside. And he's not looking quite as good as he did last season. He's actually, going forward, he's still looking a good player, but defensively, he's maybe looking a little bit shakier. Yeah, I mean, maybe a degree of that... Um... Obviously, you know, he still has uh, McDonald next to him who's experienced, but McDonald yeah. isn't a massive talker. And mm. whereas, like, Hayden and Bennett were more, uh, like, vocal and mm. uh, sort of that it helped. I th- I, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure he he, he said that w- one game, like, uh, in his post match, that Bennett was just talking him through sort of yeah. where to be at different points and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we have lost a little bit of. Uh, 
sort of that. But it, I think it's more just having the player pushing them every week and just yeah. knowing if I slip yeah. up, I'm out of the team. He doesn't really have that now. No, he doesn't. And that, that, that's where you look and maybe think January, do you get in another left back to, to support him? Because I mean, we saw a couple of years ago that Beach was happy to bring in um, Anderton, wasn't it, to actually mm. push Idel, wasn't it? And mm. I mean, if you look at that, <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's the player now playing in League One or the, uh, the free? Yeah. There you go. Um, Gibson, again in this game, probably made an even better impact than he did against oh, yeah. Salford. And I've got to say, the turn he made, I don't think enough has been made of this. The turn he's made for the goal. Beautiful. Outstanding, wasn't it? Mm. To, to mm. Lead, send the defender for a hot dog almost. And mm. Get away down the wing, plays the ball back to Mellish. And you, you've got to say, what, what a finish by Mellish as well. With his weaker yeah. foot, you can put it on either foot to him in the 18-yard box and he's, he's going to hit the target more often than not, isn't he? I mean, if I was a Crawley fan, I think I'd be a bit miffed at their keeper. Because I think, well, I mean, obviously I've only seen the, fo- the video footage, but it looked like he's beating it as near post. I, th- I think he he takes the shock fairly early, Mellish, and he hits yeah, it with yeah. his weak foot with power. I think he just completely caught the keeper out. I just I, 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 I think because it was quite wide as well, the keeper was maybe expecting, because there was other players in the box, I think the keeper was maybe expecting him to put it across the six-yard yeah. box. Their, their keeper's Glenn Morris, isn't he? He's, what, 39-40, mm. isn't he? So mm. he's not, not the youngest and probably not the most agile, so... If you can hit it quick and powerful, you've probably got a decent chance there. Yeah. But yeah, so no, great impact from Gibson. We'll discuss whether he should be in the starting lineup uh, in the preview section. Um, and another big question we're going to ask in the preview section here, Michael. The midfield three, we know it works so well. But it, if we're going to fit other players into the team, is it time to break that three up? Well, that's mm. going to be the big question, isn't it, for this weekend? That's the tough one. I mean... Yeah, I, I keep repeating myself here, but it depends. If you want to play football, like Clough, you know, should be in the team. But yeah. if we're not going to play, there's there's no point playing Clough, to be honest, yeah. if you're not going to play football. No, absolutely not. Um, I think that pretty much sums it up, Mike, then, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, one good game, one poor game, but, you know, we, we, we can't carry on like that all one, season. One good half, three poor halves. Yeah, probably the best way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. With maybe a short 20-minute good period in the, the Crawley game as well. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, can't carry on like that all season. We, do, we don't look like a side that's going to go down at the moment. We don't look like a side that's going to challenge for the top seven. Yeah, and, and that's the thing I was saying on WhatsApp the other day, wasn't I? It's like, if we're sort of mid-table, and I, I know for a lot of fans that isn't good enough, and you know, if we struggle in the next few games, Beach's head is going to be called for. But in the eyes of the board, if we're mid-table, is that sackable? I'm not entirely sure it is. Probably not, but the, the concern would probably be if crowds start to drop. Because when you're mid-table, you're not really playing for much. and you, mm. Your performances aren't great, and everyone's talking about how bad the direct style of football is. If those crowds start to creep down below 4,000 again, and mm. start creeping towards the 3,000 mark, that's when people might go, oh, actually, maybe there's something to be worried about here. So, yeah. Tough one, tough one. But uh, that's it for half. Per- no. Do that again. That's it for the first half, then, Mike. Um, we'll be back shortly to preview the Scunthorpe game. And uh, I've got a new uh, mid break sting for you. I'm going to. It's not like a you're listening to one, but it's a little audio clip just for you to enjoy. Every different manager has got different ways of doing. And obviously, the ones that I like the best are the ones who never use the playing surface, the stadium pitch, never ever use it as a training facility. That's what I like best. I've had words with Roddy about the use of the pitch. I don't know whether he takes any notice of us. 
I get on all right with all the players, but I always call goalkeepers idiots. I'm, 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 which I say I hate keepers. Whenever I see keepers, I hate keepers. You know, they are trash. The dregs of the world, keepers like, because they, <laughs> they scratch the turf off to make marks in the middle and to warm up, they come out an hour before the game kicks off. I mean, do you need to warm up for an hour? <laughs> I just can't help getting worked up about it, Mike. There you go, that's a little bit of Ted Swainton for you. Blast <laughs> from the past, uh, from the Rod Squad. Uh, we'll put a few little clips from the Rod Squad up in the halftime thing until we get another player to do a, a little sting for us. So there you go. I've, so, I've, I've got a few mates onto the Rod Squad. And I've said, basically, you know, like the fly on the wall documentary yeah. style comedy film, Mike Bassett, England manager. Yeah. It's basically like that, but it's actual real life. Like. Real life with an Irishman <laughs> in charge. Yeah. But there you go. Um, so there you go. We're into the uh, preview section of the show. And uh, this season, the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Cal United Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore. And of course, every part of London and the South East and Cumbria as well. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and sports games and do fundraising for the club as well. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section of the season two. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, kalalondonbranch.org. Okay, unfortunately, due to technical issues, we were able to get an opposition podcast bit uh, for the preview section this week. But uh, hopefully we'll have that back for next week. We'll have a special long one with the guy from the Sutton United uh, blog, uh, Gandemonium. So that'll be back next week. Okay, Mike, let's look ahead to the game now then. Uh, Scunthorpe United, the visit to Brunton Park this weekend. Uh, and in terms of the referee news, uh, it's, a, it's a big one, isn't it, for the Blues this mm-hmm. weekend? It's the first time a female official has taken charge of a United game. Yes, yeah. Rebecca Welch, who joined the EFL uh, list as a referee, the first female to join the EFL list as a referee this season, will be taking charge of her third game of the campaign uh, as the Blues take on the Scunny. Uh, over the last few seasons, she's been on the National League list as well as refereeing the top flight of women's football too. Because if you look back actually through the games she's done, she's only done maybe like a dozen games a season of the last mm. few years. And I think that's because she's done a lot of top flight women's football as well uh. at the same time. Uh, so yeah, she's only refereed two games so far this season, handing out six yellow cards in total over her career in the men's game. She's actually only handed out two red cards so far. So it'll be interesting to see where we get out to that this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as with typical Cal United. Mm-hmm. Tons of head-to-head record against Scunny. Um, not great for us, actually. Uh, we played them 64 times and we've only won 21 times. 14 games have been draws and Scunthorpe are way ahead with 29 wins in those games. Uh, in terms of the classic clash, I could have jo- chosen, like I did a few weeks ago, our joint record win, the 8-0 win that came against Scunny in the 1950s. But... There was always going to be one choice for this one, wasn't there, Mike? It's yeah. before your time, but uh, we're going to go back to September 1994 for the famous 3-2 win over Scunny at Glanford Park. So yeah, riding on a wave of optimism, the deck chair army travelled to Lincolnshire, having seen their side pick up 10 points from a possible 12 in the opening four fixtures. But you probably wouldn't have guessed that from the way they started the game in this match. Mm. Um the host ran into a 2-0 lead before the break and it looked set to end United's unbeaten start of the season. But a half-time rocket from Mick Wadsworth must have done the trick as the Blues got themselves together at the break and got back into the game. Uh, Simon Davey was tripped in the box and the captain stepped up to take the pen. Uh, David Reeves had been a penalty taker before that. I think David Curry even took a penalty in one game. Because I think at the start of this game we had three penalties in the first five games and we missed all three of them with three <laughs> different players taking them. 
so uh, it was Davy who stepped up to take this one, and unfortunately it was saved by the keeper, but Tony Gallimore was on hand to fire home the rebound. The Blues toiled to get an equaliser, but it was super. It was a super sub who got them level in a game that I think, in terms of his Kalinati career, he's pretty much best known for. Um, mm. Cockermouth's finest, Jeff Vaughan. Uh, he picked up the ball on the left-hand side of the penalty area, cut back onto his weaker right foot and curled an absolute beauty into the top corner past the keeper. But Thorpe, he wasn't done there. And uh, late into his time, he got his head on the end of it, Davy Cross, to put the ball past the keeper and send the travelling Blues fans delirious. One of the highlights, really, of what was an incredible season for United. And it's one of those games that you watch back on YouTube and you, I, I know me and you look at it and think, God, imagine if we'd been there for that game. Mm. Because uh, I've been to Scunderbob a few times now and not seen many classics there, I think it's fair to say. We went there <laughs> yeah. a couple of years ago, didn't we? And Ryan yeah. Loft got the winner for us, funny enough, now yeah, playing for Scunderbob. And um, yeah, it was not a great game, That I think it's fair to say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just looks like absolute limbs on the YouTube footage, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's get on to the play for both section then, Mike. And... Uh, Dan obviously isn't with us today, but he has sent through the play for both uh, profile on one of the players. So here it is for this week. I don't know who it is. He just sent this to me just before we recorded. So here we go. This week's uh, played for both is Kevin Hurst, uh, a player who was actually at one point potentially going to be our record signing because his... uh, I think his initial fee was around 100 grand and then the add-ons would have made him 145 but nobody knows if he ever made those add-ons because you know as a club we don't really talk about transfer fees <laughs> but uh yeah Kevin Hurst born in Chesterfield started as a youngster at Sheffield United uh made one appearance for them a few loans uh Boston Stockport went to Chesterfield three times and then uh Towards the end of his time, he went to Scunthorpe on loan and uh, that turned into a permanent move for a couple of seasons. Played uh, probably about 60, 70 games for Scunthorpe in that time before we signed him for money. You know, money. Signing players <laughs> for money. Carlisle, what's that about? Uh, he had two seasons here, but it just never really happened for him here. Um you know, towards the end of his second season, he actually ended up on loan at Morecambe for half a season. And uh, he did quite well there. And he uh, he got himself a move to Walsall for the year. Then after that, he had probably his uh, most productive spell of his career when he signed for Southend for four seasons. And uh, I think he was a bit of a, a favourite at Root Hall. Uh, scored quite a few goals for them as well. Four or five each season. Uh, when he eventually left Southend, he went to Mansfield for the season. And then uh, he went to Geisley in non-league on loan. And uh, that was his last known club. Uh, he's still only 36, so he's only been retired a couple of years. But uh, that's this week's they played for both, Kevin Hurst. There you go, Kevin Hurst. I think you yeah. mentioned him the other week, didn't you, Mike, I think, on the, on the show? Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think that was in a debate of our record signing, like Dan says, is yeah. he the record signer, isn't he? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, re- I remember his debut at Stockport, Stockport away, yes. and yeah. I think he scored one and set the other, and the goal yeah. in that game was a pretty good uh, good finish, top bin. Uh, yeah, he's one of the players when we signed him, everyone was like, oh, that's a decent sign of that, it's the kind of, you know, not, not a bad little player, it's actually but, pretty but good. It, but it was weird, yeah, I, re- I remember why we're talking about him now, because that yeah. Gibson signing was just like it, because we're crying out for, like, a striker, 
and yeah. we just signed like a winger when <laughs> Cleveland Taylor had won our player of the season the year before who played in the same position so it's a bit uh... yeah, that, that was Cleveland Taylor though to be fair let's, let's uh, be clear <laughs> but, um, but um, he's on this list actually as well we'll talk about him in a minute but yeah Hurst was always a decent little player and obviously he got mm. that goal at Everton didn't he as well the, uh, yeah. the one that was wrongly attributed to Adam Clayton by a lot of people how anyone can like the Danny Carlton against Leeds or Mark Bridge Wilkinson that's fair debatable, enough. That, yeah. that is a debate but like this, this one is yeah. literally not debatable at all. Yeah, it's definitely. definitely hers. Okay, so here's the full list then, Mike. Uh, a longish list, not as long as uh, some of the others have been, but uh, there you go. Uh, Paul Baker, we obviously mentioned the other week. Dan did a feature on him for the Hartlepool one, I think it was. Um, Frank Barton uh, played in the 70s for United. Um, a player who didn't have a great spell at United, but was very good at Scunthorpe. Jermaine Beckford. Um, mm. Sean Brisley now playing at Wrexham Martin Butler who had a spell I think in the early 90s on loan Andy Flanders again another player to sort of spell on loan during the early 90s um, Joe Garner had a spell at Scunthorpe you forget that actually don't you mm. um, another player if, if Hurst isn't our record signing then Joe Garner is our record yeah. signing basically um, Alex Gilead who was uh, out of spell at uh, Scunthorpe until the end of last season uh, Daniel Graham not Daniel Graham, but Daniel Graham, who was, uh, I think he was started out on Man United as a youngster, but he had a short spell with the Blues in the early 90s too. Uh, Mike Greller, he had spent some time at Glanford Park. Phil Gulliver, one of the one-game wonders. Carl Hall, he had a, he had a decent enough spell, actually, it's confirmed, didn't he? I think he did okay there. One of the few other clubs he did other than United, where he was actually... It- He's been with quite a few sort of League Two-ish teams, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, he has indeed. Uh, Darren Holloway, who had a spell on loan from Sunderland in the uh, mid-90s. Evan Horwood, he spent time with Scunthorpe. Kevin Hurst, we obviously mentioned already. Joe Joyce, uh, score of a legendary goal against Huddersfield. A stunning 40-yard volley, or 35-yard, it ends up further out that goal. Every (laughs) every season, I think it's described, but a a real arrow of a rocket into the top corner. Another one-game wonder here, Ian Knight, uh, famously had that bad broken leg when he was playing for Derby County. Was it Sheffield Wednesday or Derby County? One of the two? Can't remember which one, anyway. Um, Who else we got? We've got uh, Ryan Loft, obviously. We'll touch on him again in a minute. Uh, Paddy Madden had a very productive spell with, uh, Mm. with Scunny. Gary Marshall, uh, David McLean, uh, two of the Morrises, Ian Morris and Josh Morris, both had uh, time with uh, Scunny. Uh, a player who seems to have played for every club. And <laughs> if you were going to say he'd play for a club, you'd say definitely play for Scunthorpe. Jenison Mary Williams, mm. because he did play for Scunthorpe. Um, Oliver Norwood had uh, a loan spell, I think, as well at Scunthorpe. Uh, Olafelo Olamola, he was at Scunthorpe to the end of last season. Uh, Russell Penn. Did he play? Did he actually play a game for us? Actually, I was wondering about this. I think he played a cup game, didn't he? I don't think he played a yeah, league game. Yeah, I don't think he played a league game. Yeah, weird one that. Uh, Stefan Puravacci, who's actually a one-game wonder for Scunthorpe, he played one game for them. Uh, Jamie Proctor, he had time there. Uh, your favourite, Michael Rains, Mike. Uh, David Reeves had a loan spell with um, Scunthorpe at the start of his career. Actually, uh, Paul Reed uh, had a productive time with Scunthorpe. I seem to remember. Uh, Christian Ribeiro, he was there too. Dave Rogers, famously Dave Rogers, the football hooligan, um, <laughs> as he was just once described at a game at Tranmere. Um, Bob Ross played for both clubs. No, not that Bob <laughs> Ross. Um, Jeff Smith, Cleveland Tally we mentioned before, obviously. Martin Taylor, goalkeeper who was on loan from Derby County in the 80s, I seem to remember, with United. I think he was at Wickham for years and years and years, Martin Taylor. Um, George Thompson, Connor Townsend, Mick Wadsworth was a player for Scunthorpe, obviously managed United. Uh, Byron Webster, 
uh, Andy Welsh and one of my favourites, Mark Wynn Stanley. He had a spell with Scunny as well. So there you go. So let's talk about the current day Scunny for then, Mike. Um, they're a club that's actually had quite a lot of success over the last 20 years, haven't they? They're one of these sort of weird clubs that they've... They've basically... If, if you look back from 2005 to 2019, they spent just one season in League Two and three seasons in the Championship during that time. Mm. Um, although on all three of those occasions, they failed to avoid relegation after being promoted up to the Championship. So they've been a solid League One club for the best part of 20 years, near enough. But it just feels like that success is starting to catch up on them now, isn't it? And the, the backing of the owners seems to have been pulled because they've always I think they've always had quite big debt because I think the owners always covered the losses haven't they because crowds wise even in the championship they were struggling to get over 5,000 average attendance so they've been averaging between the three and sort of 4,000 marks but they've had some hell of a good lot of good players there, haven't they like we mentioned Beckford they've had Billy Sharp yeah. they had Lee Novak there as well um, Ivan Tony spent a bit of time with them I think too so. Gary Hooper was he Gary Hooper yes absolutely yeah. right he was there as well They've had some absolutely cracking players, mm. but you always felt they were spending a little bit beyond their means and their owners have been able to back them in that sense. But Yeah, well, I mean, they did all right for a bit, didn't they? Because I think Sharp went to Sheffield United for like yes. two million, I think. I think they, sold, they bought him for, I think, 150 grand yeah. and sold him back to Sheffield United for two yeah. million pounds. Yeah. It was a terrific bit of business and, and Ho- like Hooper was plucked like out of non-league, wasn't he? And then he was sold for... He was crazy athletic, bit. I think he was at. He was at yeah, yeah. Day, yeah. Um, so, uh, like, they sort of made a bit of money from these yeah, players. Yeah, they did, to be but, fair, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, always for a club as big as them, it's hard to sustain sort of championship level. But they, they did well to get there, to be fair. They strike me as the kind of club that they're, they're probably... Slightly smaller than United in the sense that they haven't got the same mm. big catchment area that we've potentially got, although we'd never really fulfil that potential. But they're, they're a good solid League 2, pushing for League 1 sort of club, who probably punched above their weight quite well, to be fair, for a yeah. good 15 or so years, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Um, but like I said, it's just starting to catch up on them now, isn't it? Mm. There's, there's a lot of talk they're going to move to a new ground, isn't there? They're, they're, they've got, I think they've put a planning application in, possibly, or they've, they've got plans at least anyway. I don't think Cranford Park is old, is it? No, it, it it's about what, 35 years old, maybe, I think. Something yeah. like that, 30 years old. Um, but me and you have both been there, and it's not a nice place to go and watch no. football, is it? I mean, not not just for the fact that there's next to nothing around it. It's in a, basically near a retail park on the edge of Scunthorpe. Yeah. Um, there's one pub nearby, which is basically like a harvester, isn't it? Basically a chain yeah, harvester yeah. pub. It's basically designed for families to go for meals rather than actually having a pint there. Um, so yeah you can probably see why they maybe want to move and although it is relatively new having been in the press box area and round about where all the uh, executive boxes and stuff like that are it, it, it's not the nicest it's it's probably fair to say um, yeah and I mean you only have to go in the away end and try and go in the concourse bit it's like a death trap isn't it it's, it's mm. a really tiny thin area so it's, it's not a great place to go and watch football that's the way you describe it um mm. Their manager is Neil Cox. Um, probably fair to say we've seen him as a bit of a cheap option when he was appointed, would you say? Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's only previously had one managerial job, and that was at League Town. Uh, he's been assistant at AFC Wimbledon and Notts County. But he's not really been given much backing in terms of funds, has he? That's the thing you notice over the last few seasons. There's, there's no marquee players, really, in the, the squad anymore, is it? They've, they've mm. sort of trimmed it back down and relying on a lot of youth. 
but as a result, re- results have not become particularly good, have they, over the last few seasons? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's as things stand, um, I think I... Did I? No, I don't think I tipped them to go down. I think, I think, all, three, I think all three of us tipped them to go down. Something tells me they, they were the one club, I think, that all three of us tipped to go down, I'm sure. Me yeah. and Dan definitely did, whether you yeah, did. Yeah, I think his, you, you and Dan de- definitely did, yeah. I think you and Dan also predicted Rochdale, who were actually ahead of us in, in the league, funnily enough. Yeah, I think um, you might have gone for Oldham, didn't you? I went for Oldham, yeah, yeah. who uh, are Carpenter. down there. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from where we are now, this game is a big sort of, if we lose this, this really does not look good for no, us. This, this is a, I don't say it's a must-win game, but if it's a game you don't win... Yeah, big questions have to be asked because they're not a good team. I mean, I, I picked the star man as Ryan Loft, and he probably is the star man to be fair. He's got a f- few goals last season. Probably his goals helped keep them up more or less. Him mm. and Gilead playing really well for them. Mm. Um, he's done pretty well since moving there permanently. I, I always thought he was a player of a bit of potential, actually. And I, I never, I felt there was a good, decent enough player in there, possibly. I think he did uh, a bit. I mean, the thing is, this season is I wouldn't begrudge us having a Ryan Loft on our bench. Like yeah. just someone, someone. That, I mean, you know, when we played late in Orient and they brought on uh, what's his chops, big striker Smith. Yes, uh, Harry Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- you know, changes the game sometimes, and uh, you know, it wouldn't be bad for us to necessarily have an option like that in in, in our locker. But yeah, he seems to sort of be settled, and he seems to certainly in the X Files. It seems like it's almost every week that he's uh, amongst yeah. the goal scorers. Well, he won't be getting a goal this weekend, unfortunately, because I think he's uh, no. picked up a broken jaw or something, or something like that. Oh. I think he's got a bad injury, basically, that means he won't be playing, unfortunately, in this game. Uh, well, unfortunately, you might say because he probably would have scored. Um, mm. But there was a few League One clubs interesting in signing him over the summer, so. Mm. Interesting one that that he's getting a bit of interest from higher levels. Um, in terms of other key squad members, I mean, I went through the squad, Mike, and to be honest, I hadn't really looked at them in depth because I think it was Dan. Was it Dan or you that did them in the preseason preview? I can't remember. Who I think it was. it was Dan. I hadn't really looked in detail at their squad, but my God, it is it's thin. Yeah, it's not a great looking squad at all, really. When you look through it, I mean, mm. in terms of experience, I mean, they've signed Harry Davis and Alex Kenyon from um, Morecambe in the summer. They're both 29 years old and they're both decent players. So they're the two you probably look at and think, yeah, there's a bit of experience there. And obviously, um, they brought in George Taft from Bolton, I think, last season, didn't they? And he did they've, got well. a, they've got a Harry Bunn who is really well thought of at Man City as a like youth player. But he's but not he, done a lot for a while and they sent him from uh, York City. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he really set the world on like that much at York City either. So No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're basically they're the oldest players in the squad. I'm looking through the squad here. They haven't got a single player who's over the age of thirty. Mm. I mean that, that that's that's quite telling really <laughs> when you look through it. I mean I think after after you get to the thing, you, you're looking at 26 year olds basically as your, your most mm. experienced players, and it, it's not a great looking squad. That, that's no. that's the, the basically the, the, the brutal points pile there, especially yeah. in attack. In attack, you've got Miles Hippolyte is probably your your experienced player after Dunn. I'm sorry, mm. Bun, who's 26, and beyond that, mm. it's all kids basically most of them. And yeah, I, I do I do really fear for them this season. I think it's going to be a tough one, and I think they're relying on. Staying up, basically, cutting the cloth accordingly, probably clearing the debts a little bit. I'm guessing as a result of that, and maybe starting again next season. I think quite similar to the way we sort of did things a couple of years ago, where you 
you're basically relying on a lot of young players. Mm. <laughs> and it does, doesn't usually help out when you do that, really, does it? No, and, you know, I do think if they are to go down, you know, be it this year, next year, it seems like a matter of time, the way things are going. Um, coming back up from the Van now, very tough. tough, you know. Even if they do bring in the financial regulations that we were mentioning the other week and that yeah. they don't have it at that level at the moment. I mean, one of Wrexham, Stockport and Chesterfield, at the very least, are going to yeah, still be exactly. down there. Yeah. And then you add to that, you've got Notts County and Grimsby who are having great seasons at the moment. Yeah. Um, you've got other clubs, Torquay United, have done brilliant in recent seasons. It's tough getting out of that division. So you, yeah. you, it's a real risk for teams at the bottom of the league too at the moment. That yeah. Quite often the teams at the bottom are absolute basket cases. You're mm. just a, an absolute mess. Mm. Keeping yourself away from that trouble at the bottom is is really important, though, isn't I, I, it? I mean, a, f- a few teams have sort of survived more recently, not necessarily because they're good enough to survive, but because another club has just yeah. been an even bigger basket case. They've than basically they have. kept themselves solid, similar in the way that almost we did under Beach mm. and Presley in that first season when Beach took over mm. from Presley. We weren't probably bad enough to go down, but we were good enough to stay up. Basically, weren't mm. we? That was that mm. was the advantage we had at that point. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's not looking great for them. They had quite a big clear out of the Deadwood in the summer, but they also lost Alex Gilead and Kevin Van Veen, two really good players for this level, didn't they? And yeah. Their loss, I think, will be felt quite strongly by them. Um, Gilead was their captain as well, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He, he, he's gone to for his third spell at Bradford, I think it is now. So mm. there you go. Um, after losing their opening fixture against Swindon Town, um, their form, actually, the next few games wasn't too bad. They picked up three draws and a win. Uh, from the remaining games in August, but September's been dreadful. They lost 2-0 against Northampton, followed by a heavy home defeat against Exeter City. They lost 4-0 that game. That leaves them in 23rd place in the division and looking set for a long, hard campaign. And from what I was reading from the comments of their fans and what we've heard, the big issue is that they signed two loan players and brought them straight into the squad. And even though they've been doing okay in the previous games, these loan players are coming in. They, they didn't really fit in and they didn't really look good. Mm. So... It, it, it's yeah, I, I do fear for them this season. I really do think it's yeah. it's one of those ones. Swindon have actually turned out to be a bit better than we expected at yeah. the start of the season, and they've got the option to strengthen in Jan in January probably. Mm. Whereas you can't see Scunthorpe splashing the cash in January if they're struggling. No, exactly. I, I think it's going to be a tough one, really tough one for the Scunny fans. Yeah. Uh, okay, then, Mike. Let's get on to talk about United now. So we, we mentioned this in the um, review of the Crawley and Salford games. Is it time to change formation? At the very least, ditch going direct all the time. I, I'd certainly ditch going direct. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've, I've said it before, and it, it seems that these changes that Beach makes in like sixty minutes is includes keeping it on the deck. So just try it from the start. You know, of all the teams to sort of give it a go against, you know, Scunthorpe yeah. is a good chance to to do that. You'd think so, and we just just don't, we're not saying we don't go along when you can. Nothing wrong with mm. being a little bit direct when you need to, yeah. but just split it a bit more 50-50, get the ball down mm. a bit more. Mm. It, it, it will definitely help. Mm. I, I mentioned this in the in the review section, but I've got to bring it up again. Th- that midfield three, we know it works brilliantly, Mellish, Riley and Guy. It's, per- you know, it's perfect in that sense of playing that 4 3 free and being direct. They, they work well together. But the issue is trying to get Clough into the team and maybe trying to play a 4 2 3 one or do something a bit different. With that midfield three, you just can't do it. So, do you change it? Do you do you have to drop one of them and go somewhere different? It, 
it's a tough decision that Beach has got to make. He, he seems to be very insistent. That's the midfield three we're going to go with, and he doesn't change it much in the game either. They mm. generally play the full ninety minutes. Those lads, the exception mm. obviously last week, Riley dropped to play a fullback for most of the second half, and obviously Alessandro dropped into midfield almost, didn't he? Mm. But you do wonder when, when does it become the time where you, maybe you change or maybe you bring in someone like a Charters, maybe to give them a bit of a run in the team. It's mm. persevering with it just for the sake of it. it's done so well in the past, and maybe it's, it's doing well as its own unit in the team but maybe it's having a detrimental effect on the rest of the team. Would you change things? It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, for me, if he's playing that midfield or he's trying Clough in number 10 again, I'm not going to like berate him when the team sheet comes out for either of those things. Um, mm. But yeah, like I say, if he's to play football, I would like to see Clough included, especially... You know, now he's he's been fit for a few weeks now, and he's he's got quite a few minutes under his belt. So you'd think that he could maybe be starting a game. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to say this one. I'd maybe look at changing it to a four-two-three-one, and mm. I'd maybe. I mean, I think the way Gibson is, is playing over the two games, I think he needs to come in. Whatever you do, yeah, definitely. I think he needs to be starting the game. You maybe need to consider whether Young comes in, maybe for Abraham's, give him a rest for a game. Possibly, I mean, Abraham's has started pretty much every league game, hasn't he? I think mm. so. But like, likewise, I'd like to see Abraham's in a team that's playing football as as well. Yeah, it's true. It, it, it kind of it reminds me back to when Craig Curran was playing for us, and he's a good technical mm. player, and the manager clearly likes him because of a lot of the stuff he does. But he continues to persevere with him, and he's not mm. delivering the goods based on the tactics you're playing. You think, yeah, when do you get to the point? Right, I've got to change things and actually put someone else in there potentially. Mm. I know Young's not the biggest, but he looks like he puts himself about. Yeah, quite a bit from what we've heard. But I'd maybe look at doing a four-two-three-one, and maybe in terms of attack, I'd, I mean, I play Abraham's or Young as that central strike. I don't really fuss on which one mm. he is. Either of those two, you'd play Clough as the number ten. Then on the wings, I'd probably play Dickinson and Gibson as your wingers. I'd agree, I'd agree with that. Yeah, definitely play those two as wingers. Midfield two, as much as Riley's played well in the opening games, I'd probably play Mellish and Guy mm. in those two. In defence, I'd possibly consider maybe resting Armour for a game, possibly. But the problem is, he's so good going forward. He offers a lot going forward, Armour. It's a risk doing that. Do you mm. maybe put Riley at right back, getting forward and supporting Gibson, and maybe put Mello as your left back, knowing he can do a solid job there? Mm. And Dickinson doesn't get back to cover a lot. He, he sometimes ends up staying forward a lot. I think Mello would probably cope better on his own with not as much backup. Mm. But then maybe you're losing Riley from midfield. He drops back to support as well. It's it, it, it's a difficult decision to make. But I think I'd probably yeah. look to switch to a four-two-three-one. Whatever happens, maybe you would mm. just stick with the back four. That's first choice. But but I mean, you know, you could play a four-two-three-one and even put Riley in that number ten slot. I think he do a lot he cause a lot of problems there but like you say when he's in a midfield three when he's tracking back he does a good job doing yeah. that doesn't he so I think if you're playing a four two three one you've got to play Clough as the number ten mm. really, if, if he's yeah. fit because that's what he's there and he's capable of doing I think and that's where you're gonna get the strengths from him and you'd like to think Mellish would maybe kick on forward and support um whoever's playing an attack as well when needs be so Yeah. But yeah I think I agree with what you were saying before. This is the game where you you can maybe change things a bit and maybe try and pass it a bit more because yeah. Scunthorpe are not a good side. That, that's 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 not being mm. harsh. That's not being cocky. They aren't mm. a good side, no, and their exactly. fans will tell you exactly the same. So, mm. so there you go. 
Okay, predictions then, uh, Mike. Um, should we do Dan's first? Because he sent his over to me as well. Yeah. So let's see what Dan's got to say ahead of this game. Big game Saturday. Uh, Scunthorpe, probably the ideal opposition uh, after some ropey performances. So hopefully a back to basics and a solid 2-0 win. I'll go for goals from Gibson and Young from the bench. Oh, so he's not backing uh, John Mellish to keep his score. Yeah. Is that the way you're going to go, is it, Mike? <laughs> Danny? Oh, there you go. Um, okay, Mikey, what's yours? I was going to go 2-0 as well, but I'll say Mellish and Gibson. Okay. Well, I'm going to go 3 I'm going to be a bit more optimistic. Oh. I'm going to go for a Mellish brace, and I'm going to back Gibson for the other goal as well, actually. So there you go. Um, he didn't tell us the attendance, yeah. did he? But I'll, I'll get Dan to tell us that later. I'm going to go attendance-wise. I think I, I got the closest attendance for the last one, didn't I, I think? Mm. I think it was a bit bigger than we expected. Um, mm. I'm going to go... I don't think they're going to make a huge amount. 4,178. I'll go 4,322. Oh, so you're cutting me off on the low point there. <laughs> um, hopefully I'll be a, a nice high 4,000 figure again. So there you go. Right, let's quickly uh, bash through the X-Files section then, Mike. I am... Um, We've got two weeks worth to fit in here, but it's been a, been a fair bit. It's been a busy uh, couple of weeks. Um, mm. Elliot Watt was on the score sheet for Bradford uh, a couple of weeks ago. Jamie Proctor got a couple of goals for Port Vale. He's in a decent run of form for them, isn't he? He seems mm. to have settled in well. It didn't look great when I went, when I saw them at the game at Port Vale, to be honest. Um, Sam Zala scored another goal for Barrow. It's one of those ones you look at and you think, oh, if we could have kept, kept him. Yeah, exactly. Imagine how well we probably would have started this season. Mm. But there you go. Uh, Mark Beck scored a goal for York City. A spectacular goal by all accounts. I think apparently blocked a clearance with his arse and it went in off that. So, <laughs> so there you go. Good lad, Mark. Uh, Kedwin Scott once again scored for Gateshead. I think we're going to be saying that a lot, aren't we? We are indeed. Uh, a blast from the past here. Stefan Skugel, he scored a goal for Aloha Athletic. Uh, another real blast from the past. Jack Marriott. I think he got his first goal for Peterborough United after signing for them. Uh, Cole Stockton. You know, this. <laughs> Does the game play on a Saturday? Yep, then Cole Stockton's probably scored. Um, well, I was I was a bit good because John Coleman did a bit of like, uh, oh, which former blue would you have back? This not season? single person said Stockton. I did, and did he didn't you? print it. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, Cole Stockton scored two goals from Walkham. And if you haven't seen one of these goals, what oh a goal God. it was. Because yeah. it's one of those ones, it's sort of a clearance comes to him. And on the turn, he hooks it pretty much first time, isn't it? He, I don't know if he even looks at the keeper. I, I, I need to watch it again. But I don't think he even looks, and he hooks it over the keeper from about forty-five yards mm. into the back of the net. It's a brilliant goal. He's yeah. uh, done really well for them. We'll touch on him again in a second. Um, Sam Cosgrove scored, I think, his second goal for Shrewsbury Town since signing for them. I don't think Ryan Bowen scored for them yet, has he? It's not proved a, a great move for him mm. to go to Shrewsbury Town. Yeah. Um, Cameron Salkeld he scored for Air United. Um, Richie Bennett, who we'll be seeing again next weekend, hopefully. Oh, no, um, the people's elbow. People's elbow. He's opened his account for uh, Sutton in their first ever win in the EFL, wasn't it? He scored a penalty and another goal for them as well. Um, seems to be settling in well there. Good, good luck to the lad. He's a nice lad by all accounts. Um, Callum Higginbotham scored another goal for Kelty Hearts up in Scottish League 2. Uh, George Glendon was sent off for Chester uh, in the uh, National League North. And... Uh, an absolute belter here, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> yeah. A real blast from the past. Uh, Zinedine's a dicker. 
Uh, Gary Dicker was sent off for Brighton under-23s against Walsall in the uh, the Peter Trophy we don't really talk about on this show. But, uh, dear, oh dear, that just sums but, up the uh, trophy, doesn't it, really? But if you can't see how a 36-year-old Irishman playing in the competition is going to help the English national team, then you're blind, to be honest with you, because it's going to no doubt help us somehow. Indeed it is, indeed it is. <laughs> um other bit of news, uh, both Jared Bramthwaite and James Trafford featured for England under-20s. I think, did they beat Romania 6-1 or something like that, I think? Yes. During the international that. break. So, fantastic for those two. Fantastic for another former Blues youngster, one a lot of fans might not remember, Joe White. He uh, made the Newcastle bench for the first time in that game against Man United where Cristiano Ronaldo marked his return to English football. Um, if you don't know who Joe White is, he was in our youth setup before the under-16 level, basically, and Newcastle United essentially came and got him from us. And uh, he's, he's gone. Well, I was just going to say, I think Steve Bruce has made comments on him saying like he's, he is going to get his chance soon, yeah, basically. Yeah. So that alone is a little bit of money. Not as much as like Dean Henderson style money, because unfortunately it was after EPPP came in. Mm. Um, but yeah, his, his granddad was uh, Peter Hampton, uh, former United physio and worked in Red Boss. Um Former striker Paul Nevin, uh, this is one from the early 90s, I think he played eight games for us, didn't score a single goal in any of those games. He's joined the England coaching staff, he's actually part of the coaching staff at West Ham under David Moyes, but he appeared on the bench for the three England games over the break. Um, Cole Stockton, he was named League One Player of the Month, not really a massive surprise that was it. And uh, Mike, it's time for the regular Sam Fishburne update, isn't it? Yeah, he's uh, he's done it again, hasn't he? Uh, but I think it, his his re- records like eight in nine now, or something like nine that. More eight. like I think it's round about a goal a game, isn't it? Basically, yeah. But yeah, but he was also named Player of the Month at Lancaster City. Not not really sure anyone else was ever going to win that. Was the with the record yeah. shown since? Well, I mean, I, I retweeted the poll, which probably got. A, <laughs> <laughs> so I think yeah. it was largely Carlisle fans that voted for so him. Apologies but, you know. to all the other Lancaster yeah. City players out there who yeah. didn't have a hope in hell of winning it at that point. <laughs> but there you go. Um, right. Okay. So uh, that's it, Mike. Then that's it for this week's yeah. episode. Thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch. Uh, really appreciate the support they give us. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on all good podcast apps, Acast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you know, any good podcast app. You just search for Brunton Poogle, click subscribe. It'll come automatically into your little inbox every time we put an episode out. If we're not on an app, let us know and we'll try and get ourselves on there as well. You can follow us on social media. We're all basically everywhere. Search for Brunton Bugle on Twitter and Facebook on both of those. Um, and also we're on the Be Just Stop Fear Not Facebook group and on the net message board as well and you can also email us bruntabugle at gmail.com um, Mike the world map of listeners we've got a new country oh even though we haven't actually had an episode for a couple of weeks we have a new country it's the Faroe Islands <laughs> we've got way. a listener in the Faroe Islands is it Thank Rog you. v Jacobson it could be I do wonder if it is I couldn't actually see it on the map because it's so tiny on the actual map but when I go through the list of countries, there is the Faroe Islands. Although the, they they had their sort of annual uh, whale slaughter thing, didn't they? So I can imagine someone's come home from a long day of cutting up whales, sat down and tuned into the Brunton Bugle. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe that. But there you go. Um, okay, Mike, uh, thanks once again. Um, so in terms of upcoming episodes, next week's going to be slightly different because I'm away. I'm sunning myself up in Barcelona for a few days, so... 
not going to be able to record a proper preview episode. But what we're going to do, we're going to do a special one. We're going to do a sort of longer opposition view bit with the guys from the Gandemonium, um, Sutton United blog, sort of online presence. Um, they're going to speak to us about 25, 30 minutes about all things Sutton United, basically, because uh, it's the first time we'll be playing them and a lot of our fans might not know much about Sutton United. So mm. it'd be good to get a, a bit of a, a view on all things uh, South London uh, from them. Um, what we'll do as well is uh, me and Dan are going to record the Scunthorpe United review after the game, basically, as we're walking back to town. So uh, that's what our plan is for that. And then uh, in terms of the actual Sutton game, me and you are going to do a special episode, aren't we, Mike, of our... Yeah journey down to the game because we're travelling from Liverpool on one of the early trains which will probably be full of Liverpool fans as well won't it because they're playing Brentford yeah. in the evening kickoff. but on the way back it should be a bit quieter because their game's at 5.30 and we're going to be heading home at 7 o'clock aren't we so uh, yeah. so there you go so that's it for this week's episode Mike fans once again for joining me really appreciate it thanks everyone for listening and up the blues up the blues up the blues